Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. This is our final podcast of the year, and our uh, topic is five critical leadership choices to make in the new year. Five critical leadership choices to make in the new year. And I'm going to revolve my comments around Moses' leadership and the five choices he makes around the uh, crossing of the Red Sea as they come out of Egypt in Exodus chapter 14. And so the word leadership is just a great word because we're leading not simply in our ministries and our churches and our nonprofits and the marketplace. We also lead in our families. We lead in our marriages or singleness. We, uh, we, we lead in, in transitions. We, we, just, we lead in Everyone leads because leading is influence. And uh, so as we go into the new year, it's just always a very important time to step back and ponder. And so I want to invite you to kind of join me in this devotional uh, around Moses' leadership. It's very simple yet very profound as he makes some significant choices uh, in the midst of uh, an enormous obstacle, obstacles, and uh, a lot of anxiety. So the, the context is they've come out of Egypt, two to three million Israelites. He's the leader, uh, 80 years old. He has spent 40 years in the desert uh, at Midian, being called by God to this great task. And uh, they've been delivered supernaturally from Pharaoh uh, at the Passover, and now they're on their way to the promised land. God has them pause uh, before they hit the Red Sea. And then at that point, Pharaoh and all of his troops uh, just change their mind and they come after to attack uh, the Israelites. And uh, the scripture says actually uh, four or five times in this one uh, chapter that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh and thus he changed his mind. It's so interesting that God is sovereignly over this whole situation here, uh, working out a purpose. And he says repeatedly, God says, for my glory, for my glory. And uh, because of God's sovereign purpose so far above Moses, anything Moses could see, uh, it, it places Moses in a very difficult leadership position. And we often, we often, or maybe the word is always find ourselves as leaders in situations that are quite critical, quite difficult, and having to make some choices. Uh, and we find ourselves uh, in front of Red Seas that we can't get through, and, and we've got Pharaoh's troops coming behind us that look like they're going to annihilate us and everything we've built. And so that's why it's such a, a, a fantastic passage for us, and Moses offers us such a godly example of leadership. So uh, here's the first choice he has to make. Uh, as Pharaoh's troops are coming behind him with 600 of his best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, again, here's the greatest army in the known world at that time. Uh, and they are pursuing the Israelites, the text says, boldly. All Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, are pursuing the Israelites, and they finally overtake them as they camped by the sea. First choice of, of uh, Moses is this. He refuses to get entangled in the anxiety and the fear of the people around him. Uh, and he makes a choice to remember the larger, deeper work that God's doing. Now, again, think, you know, Fear and anxiety is the norm uh, for people, especially whenever there's crises and change. And uh, he's got two to three million people demanding that he take them back to Egypt. Uh, they're terrified, the scripture says, that they're crying out and they say, well, you know, why'd you bring us here out of Egypt to die? And what have you done to us? And didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? And they're just complaining. It's a bad scene. It's almost like a full-scale rebellion against Moses at this point. Um, and again, just think of, of whatever's facing you as a leader going into the new year. 
and the anxieties that if you bring about change that maybe you're in them right now or you will be in them. And people say, I could, we could die out here. This could be a disaster because when there's anxiety, uh, our thinking gets distorted. We don't remember the past. And the, again, it's interesting, the Israelites cannot remember 400 years of slavery and oppression and abuse. And all hope in the living God is just dissipates. Uh, and people are willing to trade it all in. And we have to remember that just like the Israelites lived as slaves for 400 years and had a lot of bad habits, uh, which was living by sight, not by faith, not trusting in God, but rather trusting in, uh, again, a fixed system with Pharaoh. Uh, so we ourselves and our people have hundreds of years of not trusting in God. And the whole purpose of Jesus is to teach us to trust him. And uh, But what Moses does, he refuses to get entangled in that. And again, I, I think of myself how often I have, I just made a list here of over the years, the numbers of decisions I've made, choices, because I got, I got entangled in the anxiety of other people. Uh, rush things, again, my own family of origin scripts, uh, you know, reading, we'll call it ecclesiastical pornography to use Eugene Peterson's term, uh, what other churches are doing, how fast they're growing and moving, and we feel like we're going so slow. All that. Uh, Moses rejects that and makes the choice. Instead of getting entangled in their anxiety, he remembers the larger, deeper work of God, uh, that God's doing in him, in them, and uh, in his people. And uh, so again, God purposely makes the situation worse. And God is breaking negative legacies, negative patterns in the culture of the Israelites, uh, in their family of origin, going back hundreds of years. He is uh, he knows that they are trusting Pharaoh psychologically and emotionally in an independent way. I have caught myself uh, dependent on wrong sources of, uh, of people and money or security to trust in as I'm making plans for God. And I, I don't mind things are bad as long as, I, as, long as it's predictable. And uh, Moses reminds them, and he says, the Lord, you know, he says, do not be afraid, the Lord. And uh, he calls them to stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will bring about for you today. And uh, he, he knows they've been shaped by Egyptian culture. And they're thinking about an abundant life in the promised land of no problems, perfect health, no suffering. But he knows that God is setting them free, really free. And he's teaching them to do life differently, one day at a time, to trust, put their faith in God, the living God, and organize their lives in such a way as to actually depend on him. And that they've got to get rid of this God they've made in their own image and really come to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and and so the way that God's going to do that in his people, the way God's going to do it in us, is he's got to take us through Red Seas. He's got to take us through pharaohs coming after us. It's called discipline. It's called testings. You know, in, in Hebrews 12, God disciplines those he loves. And God tests those. James chapter 1. I mean, he, Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. And I mean, this is the big picture. And anytime you initiate change, uh, there's going to be anxiety. And part of what we do as leaders is we absorb the anxiety, kind of like shock absorber, absorbers, and and uh, we understand it's in the system. And uh, it's part of the work God's doing us is to be calm, to remember the larger, deeper work God's doing around us. And uh, we, we're aware of the system, what's happening in, in the whole, but we ourselves offer a calm, non-anxious presence in the midst of that because we too are remembering uh, the Lord. Remember, the Israelites wanted to quit. Sometimes our people want to quit. And God is not giving us an aspirin. He's doing surgery uh, in us and in our people. Why? Because he wants to deeply transform us. And we've got to be patient uh, as we submit and we, in a sense, bring our people under a surgeon's knife. Uh, God is not simply covering up an old wall with 10 coats of paint. I mean, he, he's rebuilding the wall in our lives. And 
God's forcing them to look at themselves and look at him, and we hate that. Uh, but deep change is slow, and uh, it does bring anxiety, absolutely. And so what we make a choice as leaders, by the grace of God, may you do it this year and not get entangled in the fears of others, but uh, you start by you know, remembering the larger, deeper, broader work that God's doing. And I love the end of chapter 14, after they come to the Red Sea, it says, when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him. And, and that is really what it's all about, isn't it? That people would put their trust in him. Uh, but that's going to require our own leadership of not getting entangled with others. All right, here's a second choice uh, Moses makes, and it's a brilliant one. He, he refuses to take the easy, short-sighted path to keep everybody happy. Uh, he refuses, and they want to go back to Egypt. Uh, they they just they they're like, let's get out of here. This is bad. This is only going to get worse. They're looking at their visible circumstances, and uh, you know, I can just, if I was Moses, I, I get it. I'd say, you're right. Let's just go back because you guys are a pain in the neck, uh, and uh, people don't like change. Uh, whether it's closing a ministry as you look for the future here and you can't do everything, you set some priorities or you do a succession or you buy a new building or expand or you launch something, a new initiative. I mean, I'm very aware of when we uh, try to help churches bring in emotionally healthy discipleship, which is an entirely new operating system, how to, how to function as a church, as a culture. Um, it's scary because uh, it is uprooting uh, what people are used to uh, and, uh, but if we're going to actually bring people to a deep discipleship in Jesus and be deeply changed, it's going to require uh, a new operating system, what we call today emotionally healthy discipleship. But what Moses does is this. He makes the choice not to go the easy short path, but he courageously does what is best, despite the lack of support from others. He stands up alone. Uh, that's maturity. Very few people I've known over the years have actual goals going into a new year. Uh, and vision for the new year. Most people, life happens to them. To have a vision, uh, and I trust you've got a vision of how God wants to take your uh, ministry, your church, uh, your organization, your family forward. Uh, a vision is a is a is a picture of a preferable future, and hopefully you can see it. Not that it doesn't have some you know small changes along the way, but you've got a picture of this is of, of where this could go. Uh, that takes courage to actually execute that vision. Uh, it is lonely. Uh, there is loneliness in leadership. Jesus was alone. Moses was alone. Nehemiah was alone. Ezra was. I can go down a whole list of biblical leaders. Um, Esther was alone. I mean, there is a, uh, you know, there's a, a student is not above his teacher. And the way God's going to form us and form you and form me uh, is uh, he will lead us into moments when we're alone and need to stand. And I've had moments I've waited on friends and spouses and parents and authority figures to tell me this is the right thing. And I realized at a certain point that, oh, it, it, this is not God's way. Uh, uh, I, you know, I like support from people. I, I want it. I'm not looking to be a maverick. But there are times where, again, the issue is the glory of God where one must simply step out. I, the best definition of bravery is that I, I've read, and I, I wrote it down here, and I, I keep it by my side, which is it means, yes, you're terrified, but you move forward anyway. In other words, acknowledge, yes, you're, you're afraid. I'm, I'm actually terrified, but I move forward anyway because I, I, I believe this is what God's will is. And uh, Moses leads people through their fears. Uh, he leads them through it. 
uh, doesn't take the easy way out. What a choice to make. And I pray you'll make the same choice this year. Again, not that you're not listening to criticism, listening to input, but that you're, uh, you, you've got a, a sense of the big picture of where you want us to go. I, I remember when I actually even initiated succession when I was leading our church, uh, and it was very disruptive. Uh, people said it would never work. It would be bad for the church, bad for everybody, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it was great for the church in the long range. Was it disrupt long range? Was it disruptive? Absolutely. Um, but uh, everyone is better off for it. Uh, now it's, you know, in our 70 years later. And uh, But again, I, I think we're leading people to a promised land. It's a nice image going into the new year. Where are you leading the people that you're influencing into this new year? Uh, but make no mistake about it, there'll be anxiety, and there are going to be people who want to take a short path uh, to get there. Uh, but Moses, again, he courageously gets grounded, and he courageously leads. But here's the third decision he makes. Uh, he, he refuses to react uh, and rush. Uh, he, doesn't, he refuses to react. Uh, he is being pushed to react in, in, in the middle of this panic. It's so easy to react. I mean, I, I would say most of my leadership, uh, especially my first 20 years, uh, was a lot of reaction. I was, again, I was unaware of my family of origin, uh, my triggers, and I, would, I rushed a lot. And then the deeper I got into waiting on the Lord and the contemplative and silence and stillness, I sure got a lot better uh, at not reacting and rushing. And I really saw how much, even when I didn't think I was reacting and rushing, that I actually was. Because when I'm moving quickly, I am trying to bypass something. That is a very important principle, that when we move quickly, we are very often trying to bypass something like pain, rejection, loss. Uh, the problem is when we're rushing, that is not in our best interest and it is definitely not in the best interest of those we lead. Uh, we, I, I say stupid things. We do things that are stupid. We, we had to actually compound our complexity of our leadership. Uh, and we're not staying in the present with what's going on and actually digesting it. Uh, and so I, I ended up really being seduced by the voices of the desert. The, those three great temptations of Satan with Jesus in the desert, they come to us at, at key moments in our whole lives. They keep coming in, uh, in different forms. Uh, which is, you know, loud voices shouting, you know, prove, prove that you're worth something, you know, do something relevant or spectacular, you know, show the world that you're, you know, you really are somebody to get noticed. And, and it's as a distortion. And it's really, it's part of the beast of not just the wider cultures, it's, it's the beast in church culture. But Moses makes a choice. He doesn't react, doesn't rush. What he does is the third choice he makes is he balances be still and moving on. He actually tells the people, uh, he says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And then the Lord says to him, tell the Israelites to move on. So he balances off uh, being still and moving on, which is really, it's quite a challenge to, to not just, okay, I'm going to pray. Let's pray, ask God's guidance, and boom, we're off and running, versus we're going to be still before the Lord because we know he's fighting for us. Uh, that's where it starts. Uh, that I've got enough rhythm in my life to be still and contemplative before God. I'm grounded in his love. I'm listening for his voice. I actually have no other will but his will. Uh, that's when you know you're in a good place, that your will actually is his will, whatever it may be. Uh, that, that, is, that is like the foundation of knowing you're in a good place of stillness before God. And then at the same time, you're, we're, we're moving. Uh, we are moving forward. We are moving people into a promised land. It's it's not either or. It's not one extreme or the other. 
There are people who pray and are, are still, but they never move on. There are people who move on without ever being still. Uh, both have, of course, their problems. So I need rhythms and you need rhythms. As you go into the new year, what, what rhythms do you need in light of what you're facing, in light of what God's put before you? Uh, I'm talking about rhythms in your day, uh, days, your, you know, in terms of offices and being with Jesus, uh, rhythms in your month, rhythms in your year, rhythms in uh, your weeks, of course, with Sabbath. And what do you need right now, even before you launch into the year full steam ahead? Maybe you need to take a day alone with God or a half a day with God or two hours alone uh, just to get centered and clear about being, making sure you're still. And you can provide leadership from a non-anxious place with some clarity. Moses made that choice. And as a result, he's able to calm. Again, he creates culture and he calms two to three million Israelites uh, as God eventually opens up the Red Sea and they walk between it. In fact, remember, we we, we as leaders create culture. I mean, I, I let me encourage you. If you've never downloaded this free ebook, uh, Six Marks of a Church Culture That Deeply Changes Lives, uh, get it. Uh, it's free. It's on our website. Go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash churchculture. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash churchculture. Uh, because we've got to redo culture, and and some of the elements of that are healthy community, slow down spirituality, integrity, and leadership, uh, passionate marriages, and singleness. But we want to we want to embody we embody the culture. Moses is embodying a whole new way of life in that promised land before they even get there. We want to do the same thing. And again, it's emotionallyhealthy.org/churchculture. Uh, take a look at that, and uh, hopefully it will inspire you. But there's a fourth choice Moses makes uh, here in this critical juncture of uh, Israel's history, and that is that he does not, he refuses to allow others to impose their will on him. And what he actually does is he sets clear boundaries uh, so he can function and lead out of his God-given unique life, his unique self. Uh, but he sets very clear boundaries around him. Now, it's interesting because uh, a lot of folks are seeking to impose their will on him. You've got Pharaoh in Egypt. Uh, they, they have a will for, for uh, God's people and for Moses. That is slavery, back to slavery. And uh, in fact, the Israelites have a will to impose on Moses, which is no pain. We don't want pain in leadership. We want everything in our community to go wonderful all the time. And, uh, you know, lots of folks want what they want. It's not that they're bad. Uh, we get mad when they want what they want because we want them to want what we want. Uh, some of us are always mad at other people. And uh, but to understand that, with whom do you have to set limits or boundaries? The answer to that is anything that breathes. I'm talking about family, spouse, kids, pets, coworkers, friends, neighbors, salespeople, car mechanics. We can blame and give in and be angry, and our boundaries get tested countless times every day. Uh, but uh, the choice we we make, and I want to invite you to make it here as you go into the new year, is to. Again, to Moses sets a boundary and he says, "Stand firm." Uh, you know, he, he 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 speaks very clearly to everyone. Stand firm, and he sets the boundary. He defines himself and he asserts his leadership and defines the boundary. Yeah, uh, he has he has a clear sense of who he is and who he's not. What matters to him, his values, his beliefs. And let me ask you the same way, same thing. Who are you and who are you not? And what matters to you and what are your values, your belief? What has God given you to do? That, that's unique. And what are you willing and not willing to do? Uh, you are the architect of your life. You're, you're living it. Uh, it's a lot of work 
to get self-definition along the way of who am I as I go into this new year? How, God, are you inviting me to lead at this season? And to be uh, set clear boundaries around that. It's just so easy to be lazy. And then we kind of are being pushed to and fro by everyone around us imposing their will. And then we're all and we're angry at them for butting into our life and making it complicated. Uh, no, no. Let me say it again. With whom do we have to set boundaries and limits? The answer is anything that breeds. Because, of course, most folks around us, they've got visions and ideas of what, what should happen. And, again, we take those into account. doesn't make them bad. Uh, but on the and behind people, remember, there are always powers and principalities that want to stop the work of God. And part of the call of leadership is to get so grounded and centered in Jesus that we see clearly and we actually invite people to stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord this day, as Moses said, and you know, to, to do not be afraid. Uh, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And then he invites them to move on. Uh, but I'm going to invite you to make that choice today to refuse to let others impose their will, especially if you find yourself uh, feeling guilty or intimidated or you know, pushed around or folks are demanding, you're feeling they're overpowering you and you have a hard time standing up for yourself. And then you get mad at yourself, you get mad at them and you get feeling hopeless. And I used to spend a lot of time wasting on getting mad at people until I realized, oh no, it's just, it's, it's good and healthy. They have their own visions and desires. But if God's asked me to lead this team uh, and that's my role. And while I want to take an input along the way, uh, I need to, be clear about who am I and what has God given me to do and us to do as a leader of this team, and then in a very graceful, respectful, but clear way, uh, be faithful to that God-given life that he's given me. Again, easier said than done as we move into the new year. And I spent some just some time on this the other day, even around Jerry and I uh, and our family and the kind of leadership uh, we need going to the next phase of our lives. And we now, we have four grown children, two are married, a couple of grandchildren. So we're in a different season of life and what kind of leadership is needed so we can be a family that builds memories, uh, has great friendships and relationships, uh, enjoys each other, uh, delights in one another in a way that does not, is not enmeshing uh, or over-functioning or overbearing, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a great, great time for me to to, to make, a, make a couple of choices there. But I had to put some time at actually really thinking about it uh, and versus just going on autopilot. But here's a fifth choice that Moses makes. Again, it's a beautiful choice he makes. And uh, he, he refuses to remain paralyzed or helpless uh, or get into a blaming mode or be overwhelmed. He just, he just refuses. He, he doesn't go down that path. He makes a choice to take thoughtful, practical and difficult steps to go forward. I want to say that again. He he refuses to let himself get overwhelmed uh, or, or paralyzed by the weight of the anxiety around him, the opposition around him, the problems around him. Uh, but he actually takes thoughtful, difficult, practical steps to move forward. And at a certain point, he basically gives them very practical steps to move on. Uh, and uh, he tells the Israelites, it is time to move on. You're no longer slaves. You've got great power. And he picks up his staff. He's very clear. He's very direct. And the people follow him. I know I, I've been overwhelmed. And uh, as they say, one of the primary reasons for depression in people is to be overwhelmed, flooded. 
And I know it's like to say I can't think about this. It's, it's the worst feeling, feeling kind of lost at sea, like I'm a victim. And we kind of listen to that voice of self-rejection. You're no good. You don't know what you're doing. I, you can't. And uh, and I know my my what I've done, what I did in my early years, is in my anxiety or feeling paralyzed, I would go to everyone around me and say, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think is best? Because I was just looking for one Hail Mary pass that would get me on the other side. But uh, Moses, on the other hand, he is clear, direct, and he picks up his staff, and he makes some thoughtful, difficult uh, steps to move them forward. And I, one of my uh, most significant learning moments in my life uh, happened when a mentor actually uh, pulled me aside and, and drilled into me uh, the great weakness of being a visionary leader. And that was, I was filled with vision, loved vision, felt great vision, loved preaching, all that. But I, I didn't like so much the execution of plans, the hard work it would take to actually plan the steps to get there, and then how long each step would take to plan out, and then look in my calendar and put it in there. and because it would be overwhelming to me. Oh, that was such hard work, that executive thinking of the vision. Moses has both here. He's he's a visionary leader, but he's also very practical. Uh, but that turning point for me uh, happened in 2005, 2006. Uh, and it was, it, was a, it was such a turning point for me because uh, it changed my whole leadership. And I often felt like that was when I really began to lead well. Uh, because I, I, I wasn't just doing vision. I was actually thinking through the hard steps to get there. And uh, the sequence, the goals and the sequence of steps to get there. And then it's really difficult work to do. Um, very difficult work. And I find many leaders would not would prefer not to make that choice. And we kind of hope someone else would come along and do that hard, dirty work for us. And they can. Uh, people can come alongside and do pieces of it. But there is no... Uh, getting around, if you're the point leader of a team or a ministry or a church or a nonprofit uh, or a family, uh, taking time for that choice to be thoughtful and practical, to move forward into a promised land, uh, it's really hard work. And then you're getting input along the way. But listen, the, 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 these are these are choices, five choices. And uh, I, you know, I, I've given, they're, they're, each one of them is, is big. Each one probably could have been worth its own podcast. But uh, it's a fantastic passage as you think about going into the new year. So let me ask you, and I'll, I'm gonna, I'll review them one more time as we close here. And you can pick the one that perhaps most applies to you today uh, and maybe take some time, whether you're walking right now or driving or wherever you are, uh, maybe take some time and journal about how God's coming to you about one of these five. Okay, first choice is, uh, is do I get entangled in the anxiety of other people or do I step back and remember the larger deeper work that God is doing. For some of you, that may be it. Second choice is, do I refuse to take the easy, short-sighted path to keep everybody happy? Or do I make the choice to be courageous and do what's best, even if I don't have everybody's support? The third is, uh, do I react? Am Am I reacting and rushing? Or can I step back and be still before the Lord uh, and then move on? Do I have a good balance of being still, anchoring in Jesus, so my non-anxious presence, being clear, and then move on? Or am I reacting and rushing? And how is God coming to you in that? The fourth choice is, um, do I, hold on, do I, do I refuse to allow, or am I allowing others to impose their will on me because it's so much hard work not to, uh, or am I setting clear boundaries so I can lead 
faithfully out of how God has uniquely made me to be. Uh, how am I doing in that? And can I do it like Moses, standing firm and setting a clear boundary? No, this is who God's made me to be, and that's what I'll do. And then the final one is, uh, am I paralyzed and overwhelmed uh, or feeling helpless? Or am, I, or am I taking time to be thoughtful and practical and make these make the steps clear to go forward? Uh, get clear on my goals and the sequence of steps to get there and how long it's going to take me to get there so I can move people forward. Uh, am I doing that? I've made that choice. So listen, it's been great to be with you. And I... Uh, I want to invite you to, to move forward on your maturity. I'm hopefully, by God's grace, moving forward on mine. Uh, and remember, Jesus has gone before us. He is one greater than Moses is here. He has opened up the Red Sea. Uh, you know, Jesus is our, you know, greater than Moses. He has made a way of salvation through the cross. And uh, we are to walk through it and lead others through it into a promised land of being the new family of Jesus, the salt and the light of the world, that we might be a gift. So great to be with you, everybody. Again, let me encourage you to get that a free ebook, emotionallyhealthy.org slash church culture, uh, and look at what are the six marks of a church culture that deeply changes lives. We want to be that culture as leaders as we go into the new year. Great to be with you, everybody. Thank you very much. You have a wonderful day.